In Psalm 46, we find uh, what many call Luther's psalm. Luther, the great reformer, used to sing this psalm when he was in trouble or when he was afraid or when there was adversity near. He, had, he would sing this psalm. Notice what it says, Psalm 46, beginning with verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, Salah. There's a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Salah. Come behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease, to end, to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for a day when we can come aside and bring our hearts to you. You've made this time for us to worship you. You've made this time for us to hear from you. Calm our hearts and our minds with your Holy Spirit. By your Spirit, make your word come alive and speak to us as only you can. But Lord, let us have understanding and give us a will to obey you when we hear you. Father, especially for those sitting with the sound of my voice that have decisions to make, some to follow Christ as our Lord and Savior, some to join the church, some for rededication, some to leave burdens behind. But Lord, whatever it is, let us be faithful to you as you are faithful to us. These things I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. When Luther read this psalm, he wrote... Uh, him, I think it's number 40, I can't remember exactly, a mighty fortress is our God. And uh, he used that because if you don't know much about Luther's life, the great reformer came out of Catholicism. He decided they were not um, interpreting Scripture correctly and that you're saved by grace through faith in Jesus alone. He was labeled a heretic for that teaching. They sought to kill him as they did many others and to hush him. That's not the right number, is it? That's all right. And he would sing that psalm and then sing the song after it. Ultimately, tried at the Diet of Worms. I know that's not the way you pronounce it. I think it's Worms. 151 is the number. And writing those songs gave him hope because God was the only thing because he said... By faith alone, in Jesus alone, here I stand alone. What, what number did you say? One fifty. Turn to that real quick. I want you to 
Look at least that first verse. A mighty fortress is our God. Received word this morning uh, from uh, Miss Jan. But Johnny's not doing well. He's sleeping most of the time. It could just be any time, though I understand. Is that right, Miss Jan? Yeah. Some of you won't remember this gentleman. Uh, Jim Vaughn is a member of our church. He hadn't been here in several years because of his health. His uh, daughter is Maggie Pettit, who sold uh, Mary Kay in the area for many years. Received word that he, too, is not doing well. They called in hospice, and so pray for those families. We have many others in our church family. But here's what it says. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is none his equal. A mighty fortress is our God. And then it goes on. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? Were not the right men on our side the man of God's own choosing? Does ask who that may be, Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, his name from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. A mighty fortress is our God. You see, I think Luther discovered something that when we read this psalm, we discover. It's very simple. Our God is dependable in every circumstance of life. Our God is dependable in every circumstance of life. So how does that really apply to us today? Two or three ways that he mentions. First of all, in verses 1 through 3, our God is dependable. Now listen to me. Our God is dependable when the unchanging is changed. When the unchanging is changed, God is still dependable. Well, you see, there's a lot going on. Scholars have tried to decide when this psalm was written. We know it was given to Asaph, one of the chief musicians. They don't think it's a psalm of David. But they think that it might have been when Sennacherib surrounded the city and God delivered the city of Jerusalem. They can't pinpoint the date, but they know that Jerusalem was in trouble and God was at work. You see, where what appears permanent in life shows itself unstable, God is still dependable. You see, he goes on, he says, He's our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. We will not fear, even though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the sea, though the waters roar and be troubled, and the mountains shake with its swelling. So the historical situation is, these folks are in trouble, bad trouble. There doesn't seem to be any hope. And they said, yet we will not fear. We will trust in our God because he is dependable when the unchanging is changed. That's what's happening there. But he gives us three words of hope. He said, our God is a refuge. The word refuge there speaks of a shelter. It's sort of the external aspect of our salvation. It's a picture, if you will, of a, of a, of a respite, a, a, a cabin maybe in the wilderness or in the woods. It, you find warmth and food and friends and safety. He said, our God is that. He's a refuge. In the midst of the storm, everything else can be calm around us because God is with us. Then he says, he's a refuge and strength. You realize our God empowers the weak. 
Paul said it this way, when I am weak, he is strong. Therefore, I will boast in my weakness that Christ may be strong. If you've reached the end of your rope, if you feel like you can't go on any further, if you feel like just throwing up your hands and saying, Lord, not, not, not anymore, you're right where God wants you to be. Because in your weakness, he wants to give you strength. We need to understand that. He is a strength. When your strength fails, whether it's emotional strength or physical strength or mental strength, whatever strength you really depend on, If that's what you're depending on, it will fail. There will come a day when you can't do it. No matter how hard you try, you're not going to be able to fix it. It's in that moment that God will give you his strength when you turn it over to him. He's dependable when the unchanging is changed. This is a very present help in trouble. Here's what it means. It means God is willing to be found. God is willing to help us. God is eager to hear from us. The word there is anticipation. It's like, it's like a, a, a mama, you know, listening for a child whimper at night when the child is sick. It always amazed me. I wouldn't hear the girls, but Elizabeth could hear one little whimper, and she was awake. Up she'd come. If she's too tired to come up, up I'd come. Because <laughs> she'd say, Gary, she didn't do that very often because she didn't trust me to take care of them the right way. Yeah, she's laughing. She knows that's the truth. But you see, I want you to think of God that way. He's listening intently to his children. He knows they're hurting. He wants to be found. One little whimper, and he's willing to come. Too often, we're too proud to whimper. Too often, we're too strong to let go. You say, well, Brother Gary, what do you mean that he's dependable when the unchanging is changed? It's very... Simple, you see. The wonder of it all is he's still on his throne that in the steadfastness of creation, if all that was overthrown by some cataclysmic event, we don't have to fear because God is still there. He's still on his throne. You see, the unchanging would be some great tragedy. See, God protects us in tragedy in the midst of tragedy. He gives us Christian friends, a Christian church, people that serve sort of like a warm blanket when we're so cold on the inside. But ultimately, it's his presence that helps us. The unchanging is when your world turns upside down and you find God is still dependable. See, when we think that we've got the world by the tail, that which is permanent changes. Maybe the job you've depended on for years dries up, but you're not old enough to retire. Maybe you hear that dreaded word from the doctor, cancer. Your world's turned upside down. That which you thought would not change has changed. Maybe like some recently lost their spouses. Your world has changed. That which you thought was unchanging has changed. And yet God still wants to be God. And he will be our strength. He will be our refuge if we'll allow him. If we'll come to him. Church, don't be too proud to come to God. Don't be too proud to surrender to him. Don't be too proud to say, I need thee, Lord. I need thee every hour. The second thing I see is in verses 4 through 7. God is dependable. Now listen to this. Because of his presence with us and within us. God is dependable because of his presence with us and within us. Look at what he says 
There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. The holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her and she shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. Psalm 46 really starts some hymns. Or, uh, the, to me, these are hymns they sing in worship, okay? Um, and it starts them, I and these are songs of victory in the midst of trouble. These are songs that God, even if everything else is gone, God is still for us and still with us. I want that to sink in. You need to hear that. I need to hear that. We need to know that in a world that is so topsy-turvy that God is still dependable because of his presence with us and within us. He talks about a river. He said there's a river and it's flowing. It makes glad the city of God. I wondered about that because of all the great cities mentioned in the world, in our Bible and other places, they have great rivers, but not Jerusalem. See, Babylon had the Euphrates River. Rome had the Tiber. Egypt had the Nile. He said, there's a river flowing. What is that river? That river comes from the throne of God. It's his presence. It refreshes God's people. How do I know that? Revelation. Chapter 22. Verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life. Clear as crystal. Doesn't that make you thirsty to think of that that river? Proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb in the middle of its street on either side of the river was the tree of life which bore twelve fruits each yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations and there will be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face. His name shall be on their foreheads. There be no night there. They need no lamp, nor light, nor sun. For the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. You see, it's his presence with us and within us. See, because... God is present, we shall not be moved. Do you realize God's presence within us provides some things? It provides our security. Okay? When everything else changes, our relationship to God does not change. Uh, Rachel sent me a little thing. I'd seen it before, but I thought it was pretty good. It said that uh, for Baptists, daylight savings times, we're exempt. Because we saved that hour last year and once saved, always saved. We have security. I don't care what your age is. If you know Jesus Christ, you have security in him. I want to tell you something. If you don't know Jesus, you have no security at all. We need to celebrate our security. It, it, it was so good to wake up this morning and still feel God's love. It was so good to know that I was still saved. Did you have that feeling? More importantly than a feeling, did you have that knowledge? I'm so sad to see Carla go. She was such a blessing to our church and our community. But you know something? 
This morning when she went and opened her eyes in heaven, I'm sure Dylan met her there. Totally healed. For the first time, she saw Dylan run and talk and hug her and laugh and show her heaven. That security. It also is our serenity. You see, you can have peace when you shouldn't have peace because Jesus is within you. The world can turn upside down, as it said. The earth moves, the waters rage, the mountain trembles like an earthquake. Everything's turned up. It's some kind of cataclysm. Their world was turning upside down, yet they would not fear because God was with them. There was a river that brought them life, the very presence of God. Didn't Jesus say that when we were saved, the Holy Spirit would be as rivers of life, a spring of life, abounding in us and overflowing to others? Serenity, peace when we shouldn't have peace. Then I picked a different word, serendipity. Don't ask me how to spell it, just guess. What does serendipity mean? As best I remember, serendipity means this. It means surprised by joy. Surprised by joy. You'd be going through life and all at once there's something joyous. I think that's the way to explain grandchildren. Everybody told me how good they was, but you don't know till you have a few. I'm hoping for a few more. Matthew's got to get on a stick. But you see, I think serendipity should be us experiencing God on a daily basis. In your prayer time, in your Bible study time, this is not something that's pie in the sky. This should be right now as you walk with the Lord. And if you don't have that, I want to ask you why. What is your relationship like? Do you even have a relationship? See, the only way to have a relationship with God is through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And the only way to experience that is to repent of our sins and ask Jesus, place our faith in him, ask him to save us. You see, he is our refuge. It it was something that said in this text that at the break of dawn... He will save her, speaking of the city of Jerusalem, at the break of dawn. What a picture. But you see, I think that that refers back, if you're taking notes, Exodus 14, 27. You remember that he told him to Moses to bring his staff, and the Red Sea was split, and they went across, and that pillar of cloud was behind them to keep the Egyptians, and the Egyptians went down into the sea. And in verse 26, the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians and their chariots on their horsemen. Verse 27, And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and when the morning appeared, that's the break of dawn, y'all. When the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. And so the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. We can go time after time that God shows up at the break of dawn. God shows up in the nick of time. God shows up and usually God shows out. That's our God. Don't you think for a minute. I'll probably say more of this at the funeral. But don't you think for a minute that, that Carla lost God showed up and said, come home, girl. 
Does that mean we're not sad? Nope. Does that mean our family's not grieving? Nope. But it means our God is still our refuge. Did you see her Facebook post after she got the diagnosis? It is well with my soul. So I had a few scriptures I wanted us to remember about God's presence with us. In John chapter 4 verse 10, if you're taking notes, Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who is it who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And she goes on to ask about Jacob, are you great to him? Yeah, he is. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Romans 8, you know I was going to read this. Begin with verse 31. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Come on, church, you need to be swaying. If God is for us, who can be against us? The answer to that is no one, no thing, no how, no way. Come on, get excited, church. Wake up. If somebody's sleeping beside you, shake them. I give you permission. Okay. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who is it that brings a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is risen even at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us. There's our refuge. There's our hope. There's the river. That makes the people of God glad. Have you experienced that? If you haven't, you need to. I could go on. I could read Revelation 21 verses 1 through 5 when it talks about the new city. And God being with his people. No more death. No more sorrow. No more pain. No more separation. Hallelujah. No more of this life. With its sorrows. But eternal life. With Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. If that doesn't excite you. Your exciter is messed up. You need to go to the great physician and have a tune up. You say well I I just. No don't give me any excuses. You read the book of Revelation. And we're blessed because we look forward to the coming of our Lord. Well yeah but I'm not ready right this minute. I didn't say that. But are you even looking forward for him? Do you look for him during the day to show up? To show out? To bring you closer to him? To be your refuge and your strength? A very present help in time of trouble? If not something's wrong. And it's not with God. Well I guess we need to move on don't we? Point number three, God is dependable in his might. I think this speaks of the future. Whatever you think your future is. But God is dependable in his might. First of all, this passage speaks of this, this strife. 
Somehow, the psalmist gets a picture of the future and all these nations are raging and all of them are against God and against God's people. Sounds like our day, doesn't it? And what happens? God's voice steals them all. The earth flees away with a word. Do you realize with a word, God spoke it all into existence and with a word, God will end it all. I like the story of our International Mission Board was teaching one of the seminaries training African pastors, and one of them asked a question he'd never been asked before. Before, he said, "What is that word going to be?" He said, "I don't know. What do you think it is? Enough? What do you mean enough? Enough? I've had enough. I've given them enough time. I've had enough of this sin. I've had enough of my people suffering. Enough. It's over." Christ will descend with a shout. Maybe it'll be enough. But the voice of our archangel with the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise first and we who are alive will be caught up together to meet them in the Lord and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. I scared somebody back there. Sorry. But you see, here's what that means. With all the desolations in the earth, with all the mess going on in our world, God still wins. Don't you ever forget that. I can't forget it or I couldn't stand this earth with the pain and the suffering. And I didn't just see the strife, I see the stillness. Did you see the stillness? Verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. There's a time for action. There's also a time to be still and trust God. To be still and know He's in control. To be still and let the world fade away and just spend time with the Father. To be still before Him and realize He is God Almighty, the great I Am. The bright and morning star. The alpha and the omega. Woo! To be still in his presence is to be blessed forever. And sometimes in this world we're so busy. There's so much going on that we forget to be still. Because he is God. And he will fulfill his world. Word and he will be exalted in the nations. And our faith needs to mess, rest in his might and in his power. He's dependable in it. Now I'm going to give you a little speech that some of you are not going to like. What is Tuesday? Get out and vote. I didn't tell you how. Yeah, you do. I can say that because we've already voted. Several have. Say, so why, why does that fit in here? God works his will through his people. And if you're not involved, you're part of the problem. And if you're part of that problem and you didn't get involved, shut your mouth and quit complaining. Was that pretty blunt? Yeah, it was. Well, but you're a lot kinder than I am, and you're more diplomatic, know how to say things better than I do. I love you to death. 
We were talking about being here for 18 years. Some of the folks at the benefit last night. And I got to thinking, 18 years. Be 19 in March. What a wonderful, wonderful group to pastor that long. Brings tears to my eyes. To think of those that have gone on. Those that have joined the work. Those that are going to be here when I'm gone. It's a wonderful thing. But you see, God is still on his throne. There's still hope no matter what goes on in the world, whether it's nationally or locally in our church. But that hope better be placed in Jesus Christ because he alone is dependable in all of life's circumstances. So I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You've been attentive and I appreciate that. Now, some of you don't know the dependability of our God because stubbornly you refused to accept his help with your sin problem and you have a problem. The Bible says the wages, the payment for sin is death. That means you're not going to heaven. The Bible says without Jesus Christ we go straight to hell. Not purgatory, not later, immediately. We're going to go to heaven or hell based on our decision about Jesus Christ. And some of you need to have the courage to come forward and accept him publicly. Some need to come and follow him obediently in baptism. Some need to come and join the church. Some need to come and rededicate their lives because you haven't been trusting God as your refuge. You've been trying to do it on your own and you're at the end of your rope. And that's where God wants you. Now turn to him. And some need to come and lay burdens down. You have burdens. They're awful burdens. Sometimes you share them with me and I know that it's hard. And you need to lay them down with Jesus and leave them there. That's the hardest thing we do. Because our God is our refuge, a very present help in time of trouble. He gives us his strength. He gives us his refreshment if we'll allow him. And you need to allow God to do that. I'm going to pray. Then we're going to stand. Brother Ronnie's going to need a hymn invitation. You don't worry about gathering your stuff up. You worry about what would God have me do in this time. Father, thank you for a great crowd. Thank you for just their beauty of holiness. Thank you, Lord, that you've allowed us to gather in your name. Thank you for your blessings. Now, Lord, you be exalted. You be lifted up. Because you alone deserve that, Lord. You alone deserve your glory. We gladly give it. In Christ's name, amen.